Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. Good morning, Ben. How are you doing today? I'm uh, doing pretty well. Um, maybe coming down with a cold, but I don't feel too, too bad, so that's good. Got actually got a decent, pretty good night of sleep considering the, the past few nights with my infant, but uh, yeah, so I'm feeling a little bit better <laughs> in light of that. How about you? I'm doing pretty well, so it's uh, it's actually probably like 20 degrees outside now, which is actually unseasonably warm for early February, and uh, so I'll take it. Uh, and I was I just, wondering why you had that tank top on and stuff. I know, <laughs> uh, and I uh, just enjoyed a nice espresso at a local coffee. There's a new coffee shop slash like restaurant and business that sells a lot of local stuff. It's pretty cool, and I enjoyed it. So locals that listen or those who visit. Go to Poland Provisions. Pretty awesome. So they're not paying me anything. But, uh, Sounds good. Hey, quick, you can cut this out. But do you remember Jaken from TFC? I don't the big know. Big tall dude? No. Okay, so he was like 6'9", probably, and he had this baby face. Um, and anyway, I, there's some new coffee shop here uh, that I've heard. Some, Christian started it, and da-da-da, it was really good. Um, somebody was telling me and I was like, yeah, this is a super tall dude. And he's got this weird name with a J. And I was like, Oh, I knew this guy named Jake in college. He's like, that's it. And that's I was crazy. describing him. He's like, yeah, that's him. I, I talked to him. He was a missionary kid. So anyway, that's neat. I don't know how he ended up in Augusta, but that's cool. So neat. So, uh, yeah. So, and, uh, you know, we're gearing up for, I think this podcast will be posted right after the Super Bowl. And uh, so, are you ready for the Super Bowl? The Chiefs against the Niners. Uh, yeah, I was kind of hoping the Lions would get in, and I was hoping that the Ravens would get in too. But you know, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm not a fan of necessarily who got in, but you know, I was reading something that somebody who is a very big fan of this, who was arguing uh, through an article online that basically the benefit of the Super Bowl and the reason why the ratings are going to be so high is because this Super Bowl provides a Super Bowl of their own from certain people that normally wouldn't watch football. And, and can you guess why? Because, uh, yeah, because Taylor Swift <laughs> might make an appearance on the camera. Yeah, yeah. I, I've even heard <laughs> it. Ridiculous. Uh, that ridiculous. Uh, I've heard it called the TV broadcast of the Eras Tour. And uh, but I don't know whether it's true or not. But, uh, but yeah, certainly, you know, one could argue, as much as I know some have been very disappointed in who's going to the Super Bowl, I, one could argue that it is good for the support and that potentially there will be people that will get into football in a way that they hadn't before. Actually, you know, for me, uh, that... On my entryway, my parents weren't big in football growing up, but I watched the Super Bowl with one of the Super Bowls with Emmett Smith, and I don't remember why I, I was drawn to it, but it wasn't a football reason. And then I, I got really big into football for a while, and not as much anymore. But uh, so for me, actually, and, and you know, my generation where there's a lot of Cowboys fans that are in their mid to late thirties, uh, you know, that that provided a Super Bowl of our own, right? 
Yeah, I remember. Uh, I wasn't big into football at this point, but I, I do remember those cowboy years, and uh, they're still grasping for that. So. They are. <laughs> I thought they'd make get it again this year, but uh, I'd prefer the Pats do it. But they're not going to do it again for a long, long time. I think, unfortunately. <laughs> go Gerard Mayo, though. So there you go. Now uh, we talked about the Super Bowl, but really, what's more important is that you know we're we're brought together. We want to talk about actually Bibles and. Uh, specifically uh, editions of the Bible that are targeted at individuals, much like this Super Bowl is kind of being targeted at certain demographics of individuals. Uh, that's why I've called this podcast a Bible of their own. And uh, if uh, podcast listeners think this is a great way to segue into the topic or a terrible way, I will let you know that I entirely did this on a whim without any thought whatsoever. <laughs> So, yeah, hey, listen, to the haters, I mean, haters just going to hate, right? Exactly. So. <laughs> but I'm just going to shake, shake, shake it off. Shake it off. <laughs> shake it off. <laughs> no, I guess I, I guess we have permission to have an intro music from her, but I probably don't want to go that way. <laughs> so. Now, I want to ask, uh, as we talk about Bible editions, what specific physical Bibles do you most often use, Ben? I pretty often use an ESV study Bible just for personal reading day to day. And then I also have this uh, one I have in my office. It's an ESV personal size reference Bible. So it's just one column and it's got cross references, which I like. Then for teaching and when I'm leading Bible studies and stuff, I have this CSB. Uh, it's kind of a larger print. There's no cross references, which I, I would like. But uh, it's nice for just if you're trying to find a spot quick in your reading um, and use it for you know public teaching and leading Bible studies and that kind of stuff. So those are probably the three that I go to the most. Um, how about you? Yeah, so I'm a little different. You know, I, I'm a sale king. I like to get things on sale. And so I usually end up with whatever Bible doesn't sell well and therefore goes way on sale. So whether it be, you know, it ends up being sometimes like a men's devotional Bible or something. I don't really necessarily buy it for the that type. I, I primarily buy it for the translation. Uh, but, you know, I'm happy to get the notes that I won't read if it makes the Bible cheaper and better quality. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think I misplaced it, but actually probably my favorite Bible for regular use actually is I do have an ESV pastor's Bible. I need to find where I lost it. I'm sure it's accessible. And, uh, they, and I do actually really like using that one, especially for like pastoral visits because it's got a lot of tools in it for pastors. So, uh, okay. but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big, I'm a fan of some of the notes that are in some of the Bible versions, but, uh, I rarely look at any notes because I have Logos, the Bible software and, I have, you know, commentaries and, and it's not all the brag, but it's just there, a lot of those notes are less useful when you have some of the more expensive, bigger tools, right? That's true. And, and I mean, depending on what study Bible you might have, some of the contributors may have written, you know, expansive commentaries, you know, on those. I mean, I think of the yeah. SV study Bible, like Tom Schreiner did the notes on Romans. He also wrote a huge commentary on Romans. I didn't so. know he did the notes on Romans. That's neat. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so wonderful. So, now what are some of the specialty Bibles that you know of, Ben? Oh man, uh, lots and lots. I've seen a Bible for hunters, for athletes, uh, for men, women, kids. I think military and police 
Um, there's student Bibles. Um, I know the ESV has got a global study Bible. It's meant for people that are, you know, not English is not necessarily their first language. There's apologetics, archaeology, chronological, read in a year. Um, I mean, there's just tons of them out there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of devotional Bibles. There's like, in addition to that, I know like readers' Bibles, uh, journaling Bibles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's. I mean, I mentioned pastors' Bibles. So, yeah, there is. It would be. It, we could probably spend an entire podcast just listing different Bible editions, right? So, oh yeah, and it'd be a very long podcast episode. So. <laughs> now, why are there so many specialized Bibles beyond just translations? And is this just kind of a marketing scheme, Ben? Partially, yeah, I think. I mean, I don't work in Christian publishing. I've known people kind of that have been close to it. Uh, so I think there's an element of that. Um, they have to keep the lights on. But I think there's also some good motivation there, too. It's to get people engaged. I think you were talking about with the Super Bowl. There are people – and actually, my daughter, uh, my middle school-aged daughter was at a birthday party on Sunday afternoon with a friend. And it was just a couple girls that got together, and they all like Taylor Swift. And um, I saw them. They were going home after church uh, with this girl, and they were going to do some stuff. And I came by, and I said, hey, girls, you're all going to cheer the Chiefs on to victory today? And uh, I didn't know what time the game was. And yeah. like, yes, the game's at 3. And so, you know, we're, and <laughs> anyway, they missed kickoff, and they were you know, they were upset about that. But, um, you know, they were really watching to see were there going to be any glimpses of Taylor on the game. And so, you know, they – my daughter doesn't care anything about football. <laughs> but suddenly, yeah. my kids are like, "Hey, Dad, are the Chiefs on?" <laughs> like, no, it's, you know, regional broadcast. We don't get the Chiefs, um, yeah. but getting people engaged who maybe otherwise wouldn't. They're like, oh, well, let me see this. So I think there there can be some. I, that's part of it, but I don't know. You'd have to talk to somebody in Christian publishing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that there's a significant amount of which this is that they just sell well. And I've actually even heard people in publishing say that, well, we make them because people buy them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that tends to be how things work in a capitalist economy. So uh, I I do think that different people do have different questions. I mean, you spoke of the Global Study Bible answering some questions that people might have in the Bible that don't have the same context that you and I necessarily might. Uh, You know, uh, the truth is that there are, you know, I I mean, I'm a pastor. We're we're both full-time pastors. And and as a result, there is a benefit of us having, you know, a list of good passages to go to, uh, you know, when we're grief counseling somebody. And and in a way, that's probably less helpful, you know, for a 17-year-old new Christian, right? So, Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, and I think another thing is different theology has certainly played a role in different editions of the Bible. And actually, I would argue that those are what caused these to exist. I mean, they kind of started with specific dispensationalist study Bibles. Yeah, you get the Schofield, and um, yeah, that's a good point. That was kind of the OG edition to the Bible, specialized Bibles. So. <laughs> now, what are the benefits of all these specialized Bibles? Because, you know, we're going to talk about drawbacks, but I suspect we think there are some benefits. Yeah, I think there are. Uh, I think it can be targeted to help someone who's more in that niche uh, to see how God's Word impacts someone like them. Um, the application or notes and features may be kind of thought through through that lens, and so that can be helpful. 
and they could be helpful too for outreach or and just getting someone engaged in Bible reading and Bible study. Oh, here, um, this has some things that are directed towards someone in your situation or in your demographic or whatever the case may be. And so I think it, it can actually someone who's not otherwise inclined may go, oh, huh, let me see what this has got to say. Yeah. So yeah, good. So. Yeah, I, I think those are true. Again, a lot of them do have tools to explain the Bible in a way that make it easier to, to understand parts of the Bible than because a lot of people would not grab a commentary out of a library or get pay like a grand to get logos like I did. <laughs> so, it's a lot of money. <laughs> like one of the most expensive oh, yeah. things I've ever purchased. Uh, and uh, but I think it also. Uh, I've heard one criticism of a special edition Bibles is that specialized Bibles is that they're kind of uh, uncatholic and the low and the lowercase c word uh, in the sense that they almost kind of very targetize Christianity and make Christianity a specialized experience. And I think there's a point to that, but I actually think there's also a, a counterpoint that one thing that they actually end up doing is they can helpfully suggest that the words of the text are the truth that all of us share. So yeah, so there might be wisdom for being a godly woman that is different from wisdom for being a godly man. That's going to be in the, you know, the text on the bottom of the, of the Bibles. But the, the main text, the bigger, the bigger, uh, font text is going to be shared for men, women, children, for people that journal or for people that, you know, want a reader's Bible, right? Yeah. That's, I like that. And I think that communicates something good. So, but are there any drawbacks of how many specialized Bibles that we have? This is maybe a weak example, but I think, or not an example, but just a point, but it can seem a little gimmicky sometimes. Yeah. You just look and you're like, okay, we, oh yeah, the firefighters Bible or whatever. I'm like, well, I mean, is there something super specific about firefighters that we need here? I'm thankful for firefighters, but that it's uh, particular, something particular in the Bible for them. Also, it could send the message that, oh, you need to get this specific Bible that's kind of catered to you. Otherwise, it's not as useful. Some people may, whether the publishers are trying to send that message, some people may receive that message or interpret that. So I think that could be a, a danger. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to, I'd like to add here that I think gifting Bibles becomes a little more complicated in the sense that, you know, I'm one that uh, I, I order a lot of Bibles because I have a habit of when somebody doesn't have a physical Bible and I think they might benefit from reading it more, it's really common that I'll give them the Bible that's nearest to me. And and I, I like to do it, and, and I think it's, it can be a, a helpful practice that Christians can have, but it actually becomes a little trickier with all these specialized Bibles that people have because, you know, if any Christian is reading like a men's devotional Bible and that there's a, a woman that doesn't know Jesus or just became a Christian and that you might feel inclined to give the Bible to them, it might be a little more awkward. But, and not just that, I mean, it's the, uh, that I think there's a benefit of, of us literally being on the same page in a Bible. But, you know, when I'm counseling somebody and I gift them a Bible and it's uh, one of the specialized Bibles I have on my shelf, the chances that we're literally going to be on the same page is pretty rare, right? Because again, all these different editions make so many different impacts. 
Uh, but uh, I think further, uh, someone's interpretation can sometimes be taken as authoritative. And that's true of the devotional Bibles, and that's definitively true of study Bibles. That we kind of yeah. think, oh, this, it says this, you know, I'm, I'm teaching through Joel right now on Sunday mornings. And every study Bible pretty much has a different opinion of when it, when it was written. And the uh. answer to that is... Well, we don't know, right? Uh, but sometimes it can be, oh, well, I know that it was written then because somebody wrote that in my introduction to Joel, right? Yeah, I think that's good to point out because some people can think that the, the notes are infallible or something, and uh, that's just not the case. Yeah. And I, I like study Bibles that will acknowledge there's difference of opinion on this or that. And and I think even there are some, but there there are things that just by the format of a study Bible or whatever Bible that you know you're going to you have the little introduction section to Joel say, and you say you know date you know author date, and you know for date you're not going to write seven paragraphs, you're going to put you know like that what like three words together because it's just the format doesn't lend itself to that kind of nuance that you sometimes need to have so. Well, and this, I think it depends on what kind of study Bible you have. Like, I, I know I have one in particular that, yeah, it will, the the date thing will be much shorter. But then other ones I have, whether digital format or you know hard copy, it will explain sometimes yeah. a little more. It doesn't just put one a number yeah. up there and move on. So, yeah, um, and some some study Bibles are going to be more geared towards that, whereas others, if it's more geared towards application or some other niche kind of thing, yeah, they're going to gloss over some of the yeah scholarly discussion there disagreement well and i think to the catholicity thing that we did bring up there is a merit to the other side of it because i think the other side is again that it can give the impression that the christian life is less of a universal experience than it is you know when Mm. you have the firefighter bible you almost get the impression that so much of my Christian life as a firefighter is going to be very different from the Christian life of, you know, that of a house homemaker. But the truth is the amount of verses, the amount of passages that are specific to those kind of specific callings and directions in life are, are far less than we think. And, and the vast majority of the Bible, you know, the application is pretty universal for all of us. Yeah, I, I, that's really good to point out. So, well, to talk about one type of Bible edition, specialized Bibles, probably the earliest would be study Bibles. Uh, I have strong opinions here uh, and strong positive opinions here. But what are your thoughts on study Bibles in general? And are they for everybody? I think study Bibles in general are a good idea. I like them. Um, I wouldn't say, like, you have to have one. I mean, Jesus did not inspire study notes to go with the text of Scripture. But I think, especially if you're a person, you feel like you've got to read all the notes or they're distracting to you. Like, um, I just haven't completed if I don't read the study notes. Then I'd say don't use it. Just use a Bible that's just got the text of the Bible. But they can be helpful in understanding, and then the understanding can then lead to proper application and things like that. Um, But, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm pro-study Bible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And I think if I could suggest only having one specialty Bible, like if I could suggest somebody that, you know, you get your regular Bible and then you only get one other Bible, or if you're going to get a specialty Bible, it's your only Bible, I would probably in most cases recommend a study Bible. I think the I, even though, again, sometimes it's treated as an academic thing, I, I think actually this is probably 
Bible study for everyone. You know, even there, there are teen study Bibles that make that slightly more accessible. But I think the vast majority of the notes are meant to be for any Christian. So I think, yeah. And you asked earlier about, you know, the, the physical Bibles that I would use a lot. I use that ESV study Bible partly because of the size of the font. Um, as yeah. I've gotten older, yeah. I've gotten a little more nearsighted and, um, so it's just comfortable to read. So there'll be many times when I don't even look at the study notes, but I like that they're there if I'm, especially if I'm in a more obscure passage, I'm like, hmm, well, let me just think about this. So, but often, I mean, I, I consult them plenty, but there's plenty of times when I don't. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd add study Bibles can help a ton when we get confused or have questions and any honest Christian admits, you know, even pastors, even seasoned pastors, sometimes we get confused and sometimes we have questions. And the reality is that for, for many, you know, I have, I do actually have digital study Bibles more than physical, but, uh, you know, having that accessibility, we can just get those and get, you know, an answer. It might not be the answer, but having an answer is helpful. I think study Bibles can be used to oversimplify, though, sometimes what is actually debated or really what is more nuanced. Again, you know, if you have, uh, there, there are texts that we just don't always know the answer on. And, you know, I, I think of the passage in First Timothy 2 about being saved through childbearing. And I've heard it said that there's many views on what that means, as there are theologians that have said an opinion on it. And I think inherently, most study Bibles are actually going to tell you what they think it means. Uh, and that can be good. Uh, it can be helpful to get an opinion. Uh, but sometimes... Especially even if you just glance over that, you can get the impression that, oh, this is what this means rather than this is what this could mean, which is an mm -hmm. important distinction that we need to have. And I think a person prone to unquestionably follow, you know, that we all know those people in our lives that, you know, that they just, you know, when you preach that they, they not only hear every word, but they, they follow it and don't question anything. I, I think those are people that don't always need a study Bible, though. Yeah. Yeah, good. Now, do you have a, any favorite study Bibles as we're talking about study Bibles? I do like the ESV study Bible a lot. I think it's a very rich resource, really solid contributors. Uh, I also, I have a digital version of the Zondervan study Bible. So it's not the same thing as the NIV study Bible. Uh, something D.A. Carson was the editor, okay. and I, they do a good job at paying attention to biblical theological themes and, and things like that. Um, that one I found helpful and just, just recently started using this one, but I've really liked it. And it's sort of, it's a, I don't even know if you can get it in print, but um, I got Lagos through some circumstances and not the, the big deluxe edition like you have, but um, <laughs> it's called the faith life study Bible. Okay. And it is a digital first format. And I feel like that is a really good resource and a good experience in the, the program. So I found that beneficial just in the past, I don't know, month or two. Um, the life application, I, have, I used to use it a lot when I was younger. Um, I think it's good. It's just focused on application. So sometimes interpretive questions, you know, it, it's not going to be as expansive. Whereas like the ESV study Bible, I do like when there is a con more controversial passage, they will often give here are kind of the dominant views. Now, often they will say, we think, or I think this one is the, the most likely. Yeah. But, so I think that that's a, just a good way of approaching it. So anyway, I've benefited from those all. Um, 
How about yeah. you? So I, I like uh, one study Bible I, I like probably the most. I would agree with you. The ESV study Bible I think is just it's fantastic, not just in the sense that it gives these good notes, but it's just well formatted and well thought through. And I appreciate that. So uh, I also, you know, I, I do like the global study Bible from the ESV and they made that so affordable and so accessible even online that, you know, I think it, it's kind of an entry one. And I think it's not just good for it's made for. Like you said, a lot of people that aren't, aren't English readers as their first language, but I think it's it can be more accessible to brand new Christians in a way too. Uh, and, and some of the scholarship is really good there. So I, I I also I've just got the CSB Study Bible because it was on a, a sale on on Amazon in the Kindle version. I like that a lot so far. I, I would also recommend virtually any Study Bible on WTS Books. Uh, the website, you know, I, that's a great resource for buying Christian books in general. There's a Westminster Theological Seminary bookstore and they have a, you know, generally they don't sell anything that their faculty doesn't approve. And so you're not going to get the, you know, that the Joyce Meyer study Bible there. I don't know that that exists. But you're going to know that if you get a study Bible, it's going to be reputable. So, but uh, I, you know, that, uh, but I think it's good to have varied scholarship in your study Bibles as well as simple formatting. And, and I think to me, generally, I prefer study Bibles that are done by a group rather than like uh, that by one individual. I, I would agree with you there. So what are your thoughts? And you get the benefit too, especially of getting expertise. Like, okay, we have these Old Testament scholars giving Old Testament notes and New Testament scholars on New Testament notes. And anyway. Yeah. And the truth is, yeah, I mean, there are, there's no scholar that's as good of a New Testament scholar as an Old Testament scholar. You know, whether we want to admit it or not, this is true. So yeah. but to move on to a different type of Bible, uh, types of Bibles that have become more popular lately, what are your thoughts on readers' Bibles? Those would be the Bibles without any chapters or verses. They're just kind of almost like a book. They're giant, uh, typically. Or And what are your thoughts on daily readers' Bibles? I have a reader's edition that I, at different points, uh, have used quite a bit. Haven't used it recently as much, but the, I really am a fan of that because I think and, – and for getting people to read the Bible as well who are not familiar with it because it looks more like a normal book. And and that was how it was written originally. Yeah. I mean well, you know, the Greek New Testament early on, you got capital – all capital letters and no spaces. Um, thankfully, <laughs> that's not how our – and we could make sense of it if it was that way in English, but it was to conserve space. But I, I think it can be helpful for sitting down and reading a big chunk to yeah. sort of see the lay of the land and uh, taking it in that way. The daily reading ones, I think they could be helpful just for, for giving yourself structure. I just feel like they're not very useful apart from that single purpose mm -hmm. and trying to find, okay, where is Ezekiel chapter 27 and um, that kind of thing. So. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think it, it has its its purpose, but yeah. um, as far as a Bible that you carry with you to church or to Bible study or something like that, it's maybe not as good. Yeah, I'll, I'll adjust a daily reading and Bible first, and which are basically Bibles that they essentially they don't follow the Bible in order in the way that you've seen any other Bible. They just put like they help you read through the Bible in a year and they put uh, that certain sections together, uh, similar to chronological study Bible in a way which chronological study Bibles have benefits too, but also they, they do a lot more guesswork. You know, nobody is saying it's authoritative that you should read Psalms at the same time as Matthew. We just just a helpful way to read the Bible. Uh, but mm -hmm. daily 
library Bibles can I think can legitimately read help read the Bible in a year and can be a good thing to have you know in the place where you're going to do your quiet time or devotions every day but again yeah they're pure chaos apart from that I mean mm-hmm. I've tried to use I, I went to a church and I had bought a I got for free I think a daily reading Bible and I tried to bring it uh, I, I accidentally brought it to visit a church that I was at on vacation and it was it like took me like 15 minutes to find the passage <laughs> <laughs> it's just mess, but uh, and I get it; it has a purpose. But for readers' Bibles, I probably actually have somewhat of a different view than you on this, Ben. I, I will say that I can't say it's bad because you know a, a, a reader's Bible is basically what like half of church history had as a Bible. You know, the verses and a lot of the chapters were not were not inspired; they were not original; they were added for the sake of helping people to study the Bible. Uh, and kind of to allow us to have kind of a common uh, a vocabulary, if you will, with the Bible. So, but mm-hmm. I, I think readers' Bibles they can maybe encourage reading by yourself and reading the whole Bible together. Maybe I'm not as sold on that. It doesn't help me. Uh, but I think readers' Bibles can discourage reading together because it just inf- and just it makes it harder to go to a Bible study and be like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where the ninth chapter of Romans starts. I can see you know, these kind of things. I don't know where verse seven is. I just have, you know, what page number it is, what word number in a paragraph is it, which is a lot mm. harder to have a Bible study together. Uh, I think as a result of this, it ends up making the Bible in a way less universal. And, and I also kind of feel like I see that people are arguing, well, you know, it, it's to solve a problem of, you know, of people that have made the Bible, uh, you know, this kind of divided up thing. But, I'm not sure that that's a problem that exists as much as they would argue it exists. Or at least if it does exist, I'm not sure it exists for that reason. And so, you know, I, I tend to feel like in a way this, you know, this is kind of, you know, you go to Shark Tank and you see people pitch things and, you know, they're, they're solving problems that don't exist. And maybe there's an argument for that. Uh, and maybe, maybe, but maybe it can be bent. They're beautiful. Readers' Bibles are gorgeous works of art sometimes and i'll give them that well in the copy that i have it does have chapter divisions but that's it it just said the chapters out there to the side uh i like the formatting of it and it's a one volume bible yeah uh, it's not, i've seen some that yeah like you could fill a bookshelf with it yeah. um so yeah and i think that's that kind of a happy medium i i think if i was going to get one but you know i do know that some would argue well that even that encourages you to and you're reading at an unnatural point, you know, because mm-hmm. some of it's guesswork, a lot of it's guesswork. And I think there is a benefit. I actually, I read by, I read books of the Bible in whole more than I ever have in the past year. I do that without a reader's Bible, but I suspect a reader's Bible would encourage people to do that more. And I think there's a benefit of that, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, to, to move on to any life stage Bibles, kind of the Bibles for, you know, children, Bibles for teens, Bibles for, uh, parents, Bibles for, you know, 74 year olds, Bibles for 73 year olds. So does your family have any life stage Bibles? Uh, and do you like them if you do? I do like them. Um, and I mean, I've recommended, uh, certain children's editions of the Bible for people in church. But we've got a CSB that's it's integrated or tied into the Gospel Project curriculum, which our church uses. And it's got some interactive things where like you could scan the QR code or something. 
haven't done very much of that, but it does have some illustrations, yeah. which can be helpful for kids. Like, And we use it for our family worship time. Um, we've been using it for several years and I, I got, I like sales too. I got it on sale with, oh, this might be kind of a cool way to, to tie some things together. And my kids often are the oldest, not so much at this point, but the younger, well, I guess now to <laughs> the two middle got a, another one. He's not asking questions yet, but they'll ask, oh, if there's, they see a picture, they're like, okay, can we see that? Like they want to see yeah. what was going on. Um, but it has different kids' features, different you know verses, that, and I think it does a pretty good job at highlighting what's important, maybe in that section, or various things like that. And yeah, so sometimes I will draw attention to those things. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot. Um, I'll just use it to read. And again, if there's a picture, I'll I'll show it to them. But um, so anyway, we found that helpful. And also, we've got some kid-friendly journaling Bibles that the kids. You know, they've kind of liked. Um, I think there's a few features in there as well that that would be relevant to children. But the biggest thing I think is it's got space to take notes or doodle or things like that. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's not a huge deal for me. But yeah, we've got some experience with that. I mean, my son has a like a camo cover, but the the actual text on the inside is um, it's not. Uh, it's not doesn't camo. really have any extra features. It's just the text of the Bible. It's but. not camo text. That would be hard to read. No. <laughs> that would be exhausting in the eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're kind of similar. So our youngest two have children's Bibles, uh, not storybook Bibles, which are different and have their advantages and disadvantages. Uh, but, you know, similar to what you have, I, I think they have the ESV children's Bible, which is great. Uh, I, I think it, it provides a lot of resources that kind of give those kind of illustrations, uh, even like the temple, whatever, like you said. And it's great, I think, for those purposes. And just even, it's just so friendly to a child, you know, just even the physical appearance. And I like that about it. Uh, our oldest, uh, I think we actually have it set aside for her birthday or something, but we have set aside a ESV student study Bible for her that I also got on sale. And, and I think that will be a great resource for that kind of thing. I think she could read a regular study Bible, but sometimes having even some of those bridges and connections to the situations that, you know, a preteen or teen is going on might be helpful. So uh, I, I think these can be fun first Bibles. They can kind of accept the truth that there is different learning levels on things. And that's okay to accept on things that are inspired text. So, you know, so when you're commenting on a text that is inspired, I think it's very appropriate to have the commentary or the analysis or the devotion to be more using the language and the vocabulary that are appropriate for first grader or a fifth grader or a ninth grader than it would be an adult for those kind of age groups. I think that that's really wise. And I actually think it makes a decision where it says, well, the, we don't mess with the Bible. You know, we translate it slightly differently, but we don't mess with it. Uh, we don't reduce or, or denigrate it, but we, we can do that for things that are inspired. And I think we, but, um, I do think we can act like these kind of things are more and more essential than they actually are, though. Cause I think almost there's an attitude. I actually, I remember one time that somebody, I remember somebody getting upset at their church because their church, they gave their kids a Bible. 
but it was a regular Bible, and you know, and they should have known to give their kids a children's Bible, uh, not a children's, not a storybook Bible, but a children's Bible, because that's what they need because they're children. And I, maybe they need. I don't think they really need it. Maybe they benefit from it. Yeah, it may be helpful, but it's not as important as we act like. So, but yeah. now to, to talk beyond these kind of things, we've talked about kind of I think the most important types of those Bibles, the most probably purchase styles of those Bibles. But what are some of the most extreme specialized Bibles that you know of? And I want to ask if this is helpful. I think some that refer to a specific profession or a hobby. So like I've seen a hunter's Bible, uh, fireman's Bible, athlete's Bible. To me, that just seems a bit much. I I really don't think the Bible has super specific application for just you. If it's a gendered thing, men or women, yeah, okay, there's some things you can talk about there. Or like you were talking about with the children, some things that are relevant to that stage of development. But when it just gets that niche, I I just, I don't know. I just don't think that's necessary or even helpful sometimes. Yeah, there's like a lot of outdoorsman's Bibles and hunter's Bibles, by the way. Like, that's common. I don't know why. But yeah, I, I would agree with your thoughts. Well, I I was uh, doing some research prior to this podcast, and I also found uh, something called a Minecrafter's Bible, which my assumption <laughs> is that it's targeting kids that play Minecraft, but it doesn't want to pay the copyright fee to Minecraft. And uh, so it's like kind of vague and like pushing copyright laws, but not violating him maybe i don't know uh i also found one that i thought was interesting called a playful puppies bible and uh for puppy level lovers i guess and so i i don't know how puppy lovers read the bible differently than cat lovers but maybe they do so uh and uh i think these actually i am more bothered by these than these kinds of things than other Bibles, because I think these things can make the Bible an accessory that reflects us, like that kind of shows mm-hmm. who we want to be when the Bible is actually something that should shape us. The Bible is meant to change us, not to reflect us. Right. Yeah. And, and I, you know, honestly, I mostly have similar thoughts on most demographic-based Bibles that are beyond various kids' stages. And so, you know, maybe I'm not as bothered by a, a woman's and men's Bible, but I think even there, I think it can I can rely on the assumption that there is more distinction in being in the male Christian life and the female Christian life than the Bible teaches us. You know, the reality is that when the Bible tells us the story of, you know, Esther, the story of Esther is not a is not a story for women. The story of Esther is a story for Christians. And I think sometimes we get the impression of otherwise from those kind of targeted things. I think that's a good word. And yeah, I don't personally own them. I wouldn't buy them. Um, I considered at one point getting a, a you know, female targeted one for my wife. I didn't end up doing it. I don't even remember the, all the reasons why, but I think that is a, a good point. And I think sometimes when you look at men's ministry and women's ministry stuff, it, it may be – and even like actual Bible studies, like the booklets that you – the workbooks, those can be it, – it's just studying the Bible and then the, the decorations on it are just feminine or masculine or something. Like yeah. there's not so much in there about, okay, what does this relate to being a man or being a woman? And so sometimes I, it's like, eh, but – Sometimes it can be, though, but yeah. But, and sometimes even when it can be as an overstatement and even 
bad theology. You know, I, I know of one, the Men's Warrior Bible or something like that, that talked about, uh, you know, how important as a man it is to be ready for battle and all things. And, you know, and yeah, I think it's good to be a protector, but like the biblical idea of manhood actually somewhat overlaps with the modern idea sometimes of femininity, where, you know, biblical manhood is about actually being uh, kind of, kind of a farmer, you know, to, to, to be somebody who patiently tills the soil, you know, in all aspects of life and takes, and is tender and takes care of what's vulnerable and needing. And then, but then is ready to use that, you know, use the shepherd's hook to, to smack somebody if he has to, to protect what, you know, what he's called to protect. But yeah, it's not like the cage fighter. No, no, it's not the MMA thing, which I, Bet you there's an MMA, study, a Bible. I would bet you there's, an there's MMA. There's MMA churches, man. <laughs> I know, yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, anyway, so should we just get the spe- specialty Bible named after a favorite preacher, Ben, though? I mean, that makes it a whole lot easier, right? We just decide our favorite preacher and get their Bible, right? Yeah, I'm not a fan of those either. I, I mean, I don't think it's the worst thing ever if you have someone sound, but I, I just would rather have a variety of people contributing to that and i don't know i just i I don't like them Uh, and i mean i could give it's not just a feeling thing i know you know macarthur has one there was the schofield one ryrie uh tony evans has one and and, i mean there's some helpful people it's it's some helpful things in there but i I do i don't know then it becomes your theology gets maybe so shaped by this one Mm -hmm. person and so that's not the best thing yeah, and, and I want to be clear before I discuss it that, you know, I don't want to bite the hand that fed me because, you know, my one of my, I think the first specialty Bible beyond a regular Bible I ever had was a MacArthur Study Bible. And it, it actually did. It helped me a lot because I remember that I was at a, at a, at a Pentecostal church. I was at kind of this rally where it was telling everybody that they have to speak in tongues and it was basing it on Mark 16, 9 through 20. And saying that, you know, basically we're maybe not Christians or at least not mature Christians if we don't speak in tongues. And, you know, and I read the note there and I, I, you know, and it led me to question things and study the Bible rather than just believe how somebody misused the Bible. And that was helpful for me. Uh, It was. But that being said, I could have gotten that same benefit from any other study Bible, more or less. Uh, I, I think this is this is pretty much the origin of specialized Bibles. This is why they came to exist. I don't feel like people in 1912 really cared about having a Minecrafters Bible as much as they did want to have some thoughts and some big questions that they were getting from specific theologians. Uh, and it specifically, actually, this was uh, geared towards dispensational interpretations. But but yeah, I would agree with you that it can. the The, the drawback is that we become we we reflect the per, that person rather than reflecting Christ, and I think we all need to think for ourselves, and you know we need to question every every commentator, not, but not but trust the Bible, question it by the Bible. Whereas I think this can kind of lead to just becoming an acolyte rather than becoming a disciple. Yeah, and I I think it is different too than hearing your pastor preach. It's related, yeah. but it is it is different. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, and also your pastor is, you know, you know, he is incarnational. You know him, and he's not just some celebrity that you've never met. I hope so. 
<laughs> Maybe. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I'd hope they're not celebrities you've never met. So, Now, how can we help listeners choose the right specialty Bible for their families? You've got to ask some questions. What is the purpose that you're getting this Bible for? Is it study, deeper study? Is it application? Is it, uh, I don't know, just interest? Uh, is it for somebody of a certain age? Are there certain features that you're really looking for? And then I think to go on a broader spectrum rather than the super, super targeted, you know, yeah. puppy lovers or <laughs> MMA fighters or whatever. Um, I just, I just don't think that's the way to go. It's just not wise. So yeah, asking some of those kinds of questions and then often getting study Bibles from major publishers or even major um, publishers who have their own edition of the Bible. Those are good ways to go. I mean, they, they get reliable, credible, gifted people to contribute to them and um yeah instead of some kind of like super niche thing and you can find all the kind of stuff out there so yeah yeah absolutely so and you know honestly i wouldn't be one thing i've never seen but i wouldn't be against is i wouldn't be against theological institutions making study bibles you know i i mm, feel like yeah. i would you know i would be far far less bothered by a you know a, a reformed theological seminary or southern seminary bible than i would be bothered by a you know particular pastor bible even if it's pastor i really like so but uh, yeah i think we need to be clear that the actual text is, matters far more even here you know we're like 190 podcasts in and we're finally getting to this. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world because the truth is that what somebody writes about first Timothy two, it does not matter anywhere near as much as what the actual text says uh, and having that text in hand. Uh, I, I would, I would urge if you're going to make this decision and most people will consider having something possibly if this is if this is a factor for you that you can be on the same page with with your family you know because we this is a theological family ministry podcast and yeah there's benefits and parents getting your kids something they can read that gives them little helps but i think there's also benefits on having bibles where you can say when family worship hey kids let's all turn to page 309 in our bible and we're going to read that together now that's not necessarily what we have in our household right now but I think that could be a benefit on its own. Uh, I would also add, don't find a Bible for who you are, but find Bibles for who you hope by God's grace that you can turn grow into. Mm, that's good. And I think actually that to me that even has the disadvantage of, you know, like a college student Bible. Yeah, I think there's fine. I want them to grow into the best men and women of God students, not just the best kind of decent college students that only act like an idiot sometimes. <laughs> yeah well said anyway. <laughs> all right well i think that's a good discussion ben and uh the and you know it will give maybe me some thoughts on uh, i maybe will have to get rid of the minecrafters bible out of my shopping cart and my christian bookstore right <laughs> well you might need to do some cleaning up there yeah yeah I, <clears throat> I i hope that our listeners benefit from it and uh you know, feel free to, uh, if for any, if any publishers of Bibles, of study Bibles, or any bookstores that sell Bibles that we recommend, listen to this podcast. Feel free to send checks to Poland Baptist Church and, and Curtis Baptist Church, right? 
Sure, sure. Or samples. You know. <laughs> yeah, or samples. We'll take that too. So, all right. Well, it was a good discussion, brother. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.